introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Rolls out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pins oh, it. To oh, Mo Williams! Touchdown! You gotta be kidding All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. And we are back with a post-Christmas recording of the podcast, getting us ready for the Week 17 win and in-game against the Chicago Bears. But before before we get to all that, we got to run through here and, uh, and I guess see who we got tonight because we don't have the full crew. QB1, my man. How you doing? How you been? Good, man. Can't complain at all. Had a good holidays and, you know, last kid-free holiday, so I had to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. You, you, you got to, you got to, you got to. And uh, Saxy Prince, I guess, how are you enjoying your uh, your, your kid-free holiday? Man, that, you, y'all have to understand, that's that's a Christmas present in and of itself every oh man all right well let us get to it we've been talking about it a little bit here but jr my man how was your christmas man it was good man spent some time with the family seeing the in-laws and everybody's good everybody's healthy so really most most important question though most important question is uh is is who's a better dancer you or your father me by (laughs) far (laughs) me by far and i'm sure you've seen the video oh yeah I definitely yeah, saw the video, funny. man. <laughs> what what was the dance y'all had him doing out there, man? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dance off? Oh no. J- no, no, JR was the cameraman. Yeah, JR was the cameraman. So Pops he, was out there doing his thing. He has this dance that he's been doing since he was in high school, and it's called pull the rope. And he just pulls an imaginary rope. Now he's really good at it. I'll give him that. It looks like he's actually pulling a rope when he's not. But yeah. JR was out there egging Pops on. And uh, I don't did, did Pops know he was going on the internet broadcasting out there? <laughs> yeah, he, he knew. He knew. That's okay. why he tried to put on the show. Okay, that's what it was. That's what it was. He's a performer. <laughs> JR. Okay. All right. Well, Saxy Prince, how about you? Any dance offs at uh at your family's Christmas e- events there? No, but my dad was killing it at Uno. Um he pretended like he didn't know how to play the game or whatever the case. He's like, what's this game or whatever? And then and then he just beats us three games in a row. Um, yeah, it was mostly Uno. And then my family got really, really into Deal or No Deal. Uh, they had, like, several episodes going in a row. My fam, Me and my family are all, like, yelling at the TV, like, bro, you can't take that deal. You got to keep going. The probability is so high right now. So it was just a lot of yelling. And screaming just like African folk. And yeah, so yeah. it was just real immigrant then, real immigrant. Yeah, it's funny. Very immigrant. It's funny you say that you know, talking about the immigrants because you know a savage game of Uno broke out at my family Christmas event as well. And the worst thing that happened in all of it was Adriana won one of the games, and we haven't heard the end of it since then. She a little bit too much like her father, likes to talk a bit of junk when she wins at things, and it's terrible. Because really, what can you say to a six-year-old right now? Not what you want to say. So, you know, they have the upper hand. All right, well, we'll move this along. And I think y'all have figured it out now. Miles is not here. He'll be back next week. He had stuff to do. 
Uh, bonus question, because we can. JR, this might just be for you, because, you know, I, I will be the first to admit I have not been keeping up with college football like I usually do this year. Things have just been a little bit hectic. So uh, maybe Saxy Princess. We'd normally be relying on Miles a little bit on this one here, but uh, college playoffs, semifinal matchups. Uh, who's going to pull through? Who's going to win these? I know who I feel is looking at the names, or at least who I'm hoping looking at the names, but JR, give us a little bit on what's going to happen in these upcoming matchups. So the first matchup is between Clemson and Notre Dame. That's the first game of the night. I believe that starts at 4 Eastern time. And Clemson is seen as the huge favorite. I think they're a third, they're giving them 13. They're giving Notre Dame 13 points, excuse me. So Notre Dame was the team that was seen as not – they shouldn't have got in to the college football playoff because they're not in the conference. They haven't really played anybody all year. That's been the biggest gripe against them. But they are undefeated. They went 12-0, and and they handled their business throughout the year, and they didn't have to play in the conference championship game, which is another reason why a lot of people said that they shouldn't have been in this situation because every other team won their conference championship game, and that's why they're in this situation. But I think Clemson is going to handle them. I think they're going to blow them out, in my opinion, even though Dexter Lawrence, their big nose tackle, is not playing because he tested positive for a banned substance. I'm I'm sure that's been all over the Internet. I'm sure everybody has seen it to this point, but I just think Clemson has too much firepower and their athletes are just too much better than what Notre Dame does present. I think Clemson's defense is going to, their speed is just going to present too much and it's going to be a mismatch for Notre Dame. So I think Clemson is going to handle them pretty well. Now, the second game is the one that everybody's looking forward to because it's between Alabama and Oklahoma. Alabama just hasn't been Alabama down the backstretch this year. We know Tua Hasn't looked the same because his ankle has been messed up. He did have the surgery, and he said today that he's around 80 to 85%, but he is still going to start the game. But we know they have Jalen Hurts at the backup position. He came in the SEC championship game and basically had some heroics during that game, and he came in and had a game-winning drive to seal the game for them. So on the opposite side, they have Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner, but everyone knows that Oklahoma's defense gives up 40 points a game. That's a given. So – I think Alabama is going to try to shorten the game because that's what Army did to Oklahoma. And I believe that ended up being like a 28 to 31 victory for Oklahoma. So they shortened the game against them. And I think that's what Alabama is going to try to do. And I think Alabama is just going to end up overpowering them and play bully ball with them. And I just don't think Oklahoma is going to have enough to be able to stop them. Okay. Saxy Prince. Have you been watching enough college football to have strong opinions on who you think is going to win in these uh, upcoming playoff matchups? No, but I will say my Gophers won yesterday. Very proud of them. Uh, he's winning for the the Fleck uh, program and rolled the boat and whatnot. So, you know, proud to be a, a Gopher alum. And yeah, let's keep this going. I mean, Jr. Did I? Did you hear me ask about the 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 Gophers? The the who? Hey man, that's <laughs> the we're gonna get. So okay, I get it. I I feel you. I feel you. My bad. All right, so we'll move it along. Hey, we haven't heard from the Gophers since Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney. Hey, and you know, <laughs> hey, and those are running backs, so we know what that means. So uh, all right, let's keep this thing moving along. I was gonna say Clemson and Alabama just based on name recognition and the fact that you know Notre Dame. I hate them with a the passion. They're probably my football version of Duke, so 
I could never cheer for them ever. And uh, Big 12 doesn't play any defense, so I expect that Alabama should be able to do what they want against them. So, yeah, I, I would pick the same things JR was picking uh, without having watched really any of them play at all this season. Let's keep it moving. All right. So the Vikings played a game. It seems like a really long time ago, but it was just right on the other side of Christmas there. And uh, at the end of it all, they uh, they put a beat down on the Detroit Lions, a bigger beat down than I think even any of us saw coming. I mean, they really, really handled their business. We thought they were going to win, but uh, whew. I mean, at the end of the day, the score looked really good. Uh, JR, what are your thoughts on how that game went? And um, I know you had some comments, you know, some quiet comments during the game. What are your thoughts on how the stats all looked by the time the game was all said and done? I thought the stats were very <laughs> misleading, especially the halftime stats. And I thought they were a bit underwhelming up until the Hail Mary point to Cal Rudolph. They got off to a very slow start, and we've seen that's something they have been accustomed to outside the Miami Dolphins game a few weeks ago. This team was accustomed to getting off to slow starts, and that's something that they do need to improve upon. But they got off to such a sluggish start offensively. It was really disappointing to see. I believe they started the game with like three or four, three and outs, and they just couldn't find a rhythm to get into. But as the game went along, the second quarter is when they really started to click. We've seen Kirk Cousins connect with Stefan Diggs in the corner of the end zone. That really got them going. And then, of course, the Hail Mary right before halftime really took the Lions' soul. And at that point, I just thought they completely dominated them. And the best thing that I love to see was that Stefanski made some adjustments. And that's something that we didn't see in the past. And we've seen it for three straight games now with Kevin St- – or two straight games now with Kevin Stefanski at the helm. He's really been able to make some adjustments on the fly, which is really good. Uh, defensively, I thought they played phenomenally, even though the Lions were racking up yards and it seems like that they were just gashing the Vikings in the running game and in the passing game. When they went up 9-0, to zero, I didn't really panic. Because even though they were racking up all these yards, that what it seemed like at the time, they weren't really cashing in and finishing drives with touchdowns. And I knew eventually bad teams are going to find ways to lose. And that's exactly what they did. So I think it was a really impressive performance from the defense offensively, even though it got off to a sluggish start. I thought they did play well after the first quarter. And one of the things I just wanted to say, just because I can't help myself sometimes, but I feel like the Lions are a perfect team to look at. For all those folks who get mad when you say that, you know, weapons are more important than offensive line, because when you look at the Lions, they I mean, they've invested quite a bit in their offensive line. They actually got some of the players that Vikings Twitter wanted on the offensive line across their offensive line. Like they've made a heavy investment in their offensive line. Um, They have a quarterback who you can say is on a comparable level to Kirk Cousins. But they got no one for that man to throw to except for Kenny Galladay. And I feel like it shows what in their offense, especially now with Golden Tate gone, Marvin Jones hurt. I feel like it really shows that, you know, your offensive line could be great. Zach Zenner had some decent runs here and there. But if you can't really throw the ball effectively, you can't win consistently in the NFL really ever. But especially now with the way the rules are. And I feel like the Lions are a perfect team to show why offensive line and a huge investment in that offensive line can be overrated if you don't have the weapons to go along with said offensive line. Sorry for that rant. Prince, your turn. Lions, game, recap. What were your thoughts? Um, obviously, the Vikings offense started a little slow. Uh, you know, I put that on Stefanski. You know, I actually thought that that was going to be what the 
um, that first game was against the Dolphins. I thought that that was going to be the game where, you know, we might see Stefanski start a little slow, hasn't really called as many uh, games and whatnot. Um, but, you know, they started off really fast. But in this game, you know, I think you could see some of that uh, this more so. Uh, but, you know, obviously once it clicked, it, it really started to click. You, you saw her cousins get really comfortable. You saw, um, you know, the, the playmakers really get the ball and whatnot. Obviously running uh, the ball was highly um, used in this game and whatnot. So it, it does seem like Stefanski isn't really um, – you know, he's not pushing get back against what Zim wants. You know, he's creating a scheme that he knows Zimmer's going to going to be happy with, as well as um, the players, because it only it brings out some of their strengths, as well as it just, um, you know, you're not asking them to do anything that they're not comfortable with doing. Um, not huge takeaways outside of like, you know, um, let's see if so this is going to be Stefanski's third game calling. Let's see if he can. Um, you know, just kind of continue to build upon what he has has done for over the last couple of games. So with that slow that slow start thing, I mean, it's something that, you know, in this game, like JR said, the Lions are a bad team. And really, it just took that one big play to Adam Thielen where they blew a coverage. And it seemed from really that point on, the Lions just were no longer in it. The Vikings scored and it's like the Lions just knew the inevitable was going to happen and they were going to lose. And they seemed to just kind of quit. I mean, it just seems to, what it looked like. They just... Uh, they realized they just weren't good enough to win and they just didn't seem to be playing with the same level of energy. We'll say that they had early in the game when they were moving the ball up and down the field, but that slow start that again, I guess we've seen a few times now and, you know, Matt Patricia came from, uh, you know, that Belichick, uh, that Belichick camp. So obviously I'm sure he looked at the film, but also, I mean, the, the, the Lions had some success uh, shutting Adam Thielen down the first time they played him as well. And it really does seem that, if you're able to really put the clamps on Diggs and Thielen early, our offense is going to struggle. Um, yes, Kyle Rudolph's stats look amazing. He had a Hail Mary for I don't know how many yards in there. So that obviously makes things look a little bit different than you know the success rate maybe that we'd be seeing earlier on in the game. But from the point of the game we were struggling, I guess, JR, I'll ask you this one first. What is it that you would want to see Stefanski do differently to really take advantage of what teams are showing they're going to do to us every time now, which is bracket digs, bracket dealing and dare us to beat them some other way. What do you need to see us do differently so that we can get out to a faster start or that? So some of these other weapons can hurt teams early and we're not waiting or relying on a blown coverage or a hail Mary to put points on the board. Well, I thought he did it in this game. He got Kyle Rudolph more involved and that's something that we didn't see in prior games against the Seahawks and the Patriots where they were able to successfully take away Diggs and Thielen and nobody else was able to step up. And he tried taking some shots down the field to Audrey Robinson as well. I think Kirk Cousins overthrew him on one occasion. So we've seen where he's trying to push the ball down the field and trying to distribute the wealth a little bit more to these playmakers on the perimeter as opposed to the top two guys. And something else that I love that he's doing is he's motioning Dalvin Cook from the backfield out wide and sometimes he's pre-snap lining him out wide as well so he's doing a great job incorporating different and various types of concepts that not only cater to the top two guys strengths but once he realizes that 
okay, these defenses are trying to eliminate my top two guys. Now I got to give these other guys a chance to make plays and not necessarily just force feed it in the double and triple coverage. So, and those were just some of the adjustments that I talked about earlier that he's successfully been able to make the past few weeks. All right. So with that said, just because again, looking at uh at the the kind of the game stats for for the players here and 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 where players were targeted and kind of what they did, um, is is a game plan that is that heavily reliant on on Kyle Rudolph one that is going to be good enough for us to beat some of these better high scoring teams that we might face come playoff time? It just depends on the matchup. Um, Depending on who we play, let's say we play the Bears in the first round, I don't think it would be good against them just because the linebackers are so good. Trevathan and Roquan do a really good job of matching up against tight ends. I don't know exactly what the numbers say, but just how good their defense has been this season statistically, I'm pretty sure that they match up really well against the tight ends and they have linebackers that can run. So I'm sure that they the the numbers are definitely in their favor as opposed to how they how they stack up against those tight ends that they have faced this year and something it let's say we do play the Bears again next week we do end up winning this game I think somebody else is going to have to step up on the perimeter now I don't know who that's going to be whether that's Audrey Robinson Chad Beebe I have no idea who that's going to be somebody has to step up because I know Bryce Callahan is out uh, Kyle Fuller he's a good player Prince of Mukamara is having an outlier career year so with those two guys playing so well and then having great safeties and Adrian Amos and A.D. Jackson on the back end, the Bears secondary is really good. And then to complement that, they have a great front seven as well. So somebody else has to step up. And that just goes to show you that teams are really starting to figure out this offense. But that's a great credit to Kevin Stefanski as well because he has the trust in these other guys outside of the top two guys to make those plays on the perimeter. And that's something that we didn't see with John DeFilippo. What he would do is that he would just constantly try to force feed those top two guys and just not have any faith in those other surrounding parts. And Stefanski doesn't have any problems with force feeding those other guys outside of the top two. And uh, just to give you a little bit of backup there, uh, Looking at DVOA, you are correct. The uh, the Bears are very good against the tight end. They're ranked third in uh, in defensive DVOA versus tight ends. They are ranked first against your wide receiver one, second, uh, excuse me, fourth against your wide receiver two, sixth against your other wide receivers, third against tight ends, and eleventh versus running backs. So maybe Dalvin Cook in the passing game will be a, a key in this matchup uh, to maybe breaking things open, getting the offense moving. Uh, Saxy Prince. From your perspective, can I, any any final thoughts, anything else that you wanted to say, slow st- uh, slow start, anything that you are worried about kind of continuing or, or, or being something that we need to worry about in this game against the Bears? And then, of course, we win that game against the Bears that, you know, in the playoffs, probably against the Bears again. Um, what are the adjustments that you personally would want to see that might be different than what JR kind of called out in terms of uh, how we can jumpstart the offense when uh, Diggs and Thielen are taken away? Keep feeding Diggs. That's all I got to say. Okay, so you're 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 on that JDF camp. Just you know, keep throwing it to your 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 best player, and eventually they'll uh, they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, let's uh let's let's just move this thing along because obviously it's a pretty big game this weekend. Vikings Bears. Vikings win. They are in the playoffs and probably playing the Bears again. But for the Bears, they have an opportunity, potentially, if some things go in, a, in, a, in certain directions. I can't remember all the things that have to happen. But uh, the Bears potentially could get the two seed, get a bye, which obviously increases your chances of going on to the Super Bowl in a huge way. So they also have something to play for. Um, 
yeah, JR, just starting off, I guess, what are your thoughts just overall at a high level as you look at this matchup for the Vikings and the Bears? Obviously, this one being played um, you know, at home for the Vikings. I think it's a very winnable game. And I know fans are saying they're really nervous and this and that. And I'm actually not nervous about this game. I think this is an extremely winnable game just because of the Vikings having the home aspect. And they play so much better at home. The Vikings numbers at home defensively and offensively are much better. I know defensively is really better just because I don't know what it is, but this team just plays so much better when they're on turf as opposed to natural grass. And we all know it might sound crazy, but U.S. Bank Stadium does have turf and just seems like the defense plays much faster in the confines of U.S. Bank Stadium. And I think they're going to be able to confuse and give some exotic looks to Mitchell Trubisky to where they're going to confuse him. And we all know that his get a bit skittish and they speed up a bit and it causes some inaccuracies. We saw that against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. They were able to confuse him with some looks and now – the Bears were able to win that game, but I think they did a really good job of causing some confusion to Trubisky. And if you can force him to speed up his mental processing, I think you can force him into making some mistakes. And I think that's what Mike Zimmer is going to try to do. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, they've got to take care of the football, guys. That's what we didn't do the last time against this Bears team. Kirk Cousins threw multiple interceptions, one being a pick six to Eddie Jackson, and also Dalvin Cook formed with the ball as well. And the Bears are without, without question the best defense in the league as far as causing turnovers. And that's how they've been able to win a lot of their games this year because their defense is so opportunistic and they create so many turnovers. And their offense has been able to cash in on that, whether it's a short field or counteracting that with big plays down the field. So I think if they're able to take care of the football, and I'm not saying necessarily establish the run game because the Bears are really good against the run, but if they're able to have a semblance of a run game, I think they should still try to run it and not give on give up on it so soon like they did last time against this team. And they have to figure out how to attack their coverage as well. Bryce Callahan being out, I think that's a huge, huge hit for the Bears in the slot. And I think we're going to see Adam Thielen get a lot of work in the slot. Sherrick McManus has done a good job for the Bears the past few weeks stepping in for Bryce Callahan, but he's not the caliber of athlete that Bryce Callahan is. So we could see Kevin Stefanski try to manipulate some matchups in the middle or in the slot. And we'll see what Vic Fangio does to counteract that. Okay. And Saxy Prince, from your perspective, I guess, what are you looking to see from the Vikings? And what makes you nervous as far as this matchup when you're looking at it? Like what things that the Bears can do? Obviously, you know, Khalil Mack is, is terrifying. But outside of like the super obvious, what are the things that uh, are making you nervous? And what are the things maybe you think that uh, either side might be able to exploit the second time around? You know, I'm not actually that nervous for this game. Um you know, I, I think the defense of the Bears defensive line is going to continue to cause problems. Um, I could definitely see them finding ways to rush Cleo Mack on the inside. Um, obviously, Hicks is going to be continue to be an issue. Um, but I, I think this is a game where the, I think the Vikings have they learned what they can do well and they can kind of leverage some of that against the, the Bears. You know, they do have some playmakers on, you know, in the secondary and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I do think that this is going to be a game where Stefanski is going to find a way to, again, get Dalvin Cook, <clears throat> get Dalvin Cook in space, um, find ways to scheme Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs open. Um, and then maybe it's just a, an, another game where Rudolph kind of shows up a little bit more so just because, uh, he will, he won't have as much, um, you know, coverage or just scheme towards him to make sure that they're shutting him down. So, 
Um, I, I definitely think this is going to be kind of, uh, you know, the, what we look at as probably the secondary guys outside of our top two wide receivers. You know, you can see Alter Gravison, you know, having another uh, two touchdown game here. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I would recommend Vikings playing a lot of, you know, uh, three wide receiver sets just to see if they can get, you know, a couple of mismatches going. Um, but I guess outside of that, again, I'm not really worried. I think the Vikings offensive line is what it is. I think the defense will continue to play at a very high level. Um, yeah. And I think it's, I think it's majority going to be up to the offense to, you know, just, you know, put the game away early rather than late. Cause I don't think they're going to wait, uh, win a, a shootout very late. Okay, and I guess what are your thoughts on uh, kind of how we match up? Last time, the, the running backs weren't overly involved in kind of the outcome of the game, but I guess do you guys have any concerns about how we might match up? Because there have been times where the Vikings defense has been a bit susceptible to, uh, you know, you know, big running backs, Jordan Howard-type uh, guys, and then Tariq Cohen. I mean, he's a guy that really I think every defense every week should be terrified of. I guess what do you think about how we're going to deal with that, especially with, you know, Eric Hendricks, not even sure if he's playing, but him, you know, definitely being less than 100%. Uh, how does that Tariq Cohen matchup look to you, Jr. And what do you think the Vikings would do to keep him from uh, from being a player who can kind of come in and wreck the game? It's scary, especially considering that Eric Kendricks may not play in this game, and you need those versatile linebackers that can match up well with Cohen out of the backfield because he is such a versatile weapon. But Anthony Barr's length may cause him some troubles just because he is so small in stature. Barr may be able to get his hands on him and maybe may be able to dis- disrupt the timing out of the backfield and alter his pass a little bit. But Eric Wilson does, he does scare me a little bit in the middle because even though he tested really well as an athlete, he's still a bit stiff in coverage and coverage just really isn't one of his strong suits. He's more of a plugger, uh, Mike linebacker, a guy that really likes to stuff the run and not much of a coverage guy. So Matt Nagy may see something, or I'm sure he is going to try to attack that matchup, scheming ways to get Cohen and man coverage, especially on third down, just to take some pressure off of Trubisky out of the backfield. But it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they counteract uh, Tariq Cohen, exactly what they're going to do, especially if Eric Kendricks does not play. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And Yanka, I'm, I'm going to go to you with this one here. Uh, we haven't really talked about it a lot because I feel like amongst – a large percentage just because the numbers are what they are and the Vikings are favored going into this game and it is at home. Um, most of the conversation that we've had around, you know, the Vikings at this point, it just kind of assumes they do get into the playoffs. We assume we're going to win this game um, and, and get in and, and, you know, potentially play the bears again or the, or the Cowboys or whatever it might be. Um, but let's say that doesn't happen. I guess Prince and uh, we can go rapid fire through this because I have a couple questions that I, I, I want to get to you guys here before we uh, we for, for, excuse me before we wrap things up here is uh, if the Vikings lose this game, do you consider this season to be just a complete failure? Um, I guess I mean I guess you could say any season you don't <laughs> win the Super Bowl as a failure, um, but I. I it's 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 tough because you know you do have you do have a three year window in which you're hoping to bring a championship home because I honestly after the 2020 season uh, things are going to get very very difficult for this team in terms of guys that they can bring in um, you know restructuring contracts guys you want to pay all that stuff so uh, I don't think this season 
could be called the failure, but I think if this progresses into the next couple of years, then yes, I, I, I could definitely see that as, 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 as a failure. Okay. And JR, where do you weigh in on this one? If the Vikings don't win it, do you see it as a complete failure? Oh, without question. I think it is. And anytime you go from making the NFC championship game to not making the playoffs at all, I think that is a complete failure. Boy, that's a that's pretty definitive from JR right there. I didn't expect you to come that strong on that. Well, with that in mind, um, because that does obviously that, that ramps things up, it ramps the pressure up a little bit on this game. Uh JR, starting with you, uh, as you know, person played quarterback, played, you know, uh at a at a, at a high level. Um, what are your thoughts on how Kirk Cousins is gonna play in this game? Because we've seen times where it seems as though Kirk uh, maybe starts to think a little bit or, or starts to tighten up when uh, when the game um, is still in the balance. What are your what are your thoughts on on kind of how he comes out uh, in this environment in front of the crazy home crowd against you know, your division rival with a great defense? Um, yeah, how do you think he's going to play under the pressure of this basically playoff environment? I am nervous as crap because we know that some some quarterbacks stay poised in these big moments and some guys just don't have what it takes and they freeze up in these moments. And Kirk was in this exact situation in 2016, I believe it was, against the Giants where the Redskins just had to win the game and they were in the playoffs. He wasn't able to do it. He went out there and threw multiple interceptions. And now here we are again. He's in the same exact position. And maybe he'll use that game as motivation and things that he's been hearing about himself this year and that contract that he was rewarded with this offseason is motivation to prove his worth, which is what I'm really hoping happens. But in these type of games, in this type of environment, he just has to be himself. Don't put added pressure on yourself. Just go out there, be confident in your abilities, trust what you see, stick to the game plan, listen to everything that Stefanski is trying to tell you to do in the headset and don't try to play hero ball. That's where he could get himself in trouble. What I mean by hero ball is just trying to do too much forcing throws especially against the defense of the bears caliber you just have to take what they give you and let the chips fall where they may and because i you know running at akeem hicks not the answer but uh outside like the run game i'm sure we'll try because zim has been very very adamant about kind of how he feels about that but outside of the running game what else can uh can stefanski do kind of early on in those scripted plays to help kirk get into the flow into the rhythm of the game um and maybe help calm some of those nerves that uh that he'll obviously be facing in such a big game with such high expectations on him he's got to get the ball out of his hand quick because those guys are going to be pinning their ears back they're they're going to be coming off the ball khalil mack leonard floyd all those guys they're going to be excited even though everyone's saying they don't have anything to play for they do because they can't get the number two seed depending on what happens in the rams game so against the 49ers so we'll see what happens but We'll see, man. I'm excited about this game. I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll see. All right. And uh, and Prince, another kind of random question I'm going to throw your way. Um, what are your thoughts? I know that, you know, none of us can really know. And like like JR said, some people say the Ram, excuse me, that the other Bears have nothing to play for. Obviously, they still have a mathematical shot at that uh, that second seed. Where you're kind of, you know, feeling about things, what you've been reading. Uh, you think the Bears play to win this game? And or do you think they're gonna you know try to play it safe and, and keep people healthy? No, they're gonna try to play to win. I mean, any chance that you you know even if a guy kind of goes down and he has an ankle injury, whatever the case is, I mean, it's still beneficial to have uh, that you know that 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 buy that you can get, and also be able to have 
mostly home field advantage for the rest of the uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Bears have every reason to go all out in this game because of the implications of potentially being able to get that second seed. And that second seed is it, it is really important. So I see them I see them trying to win this game as hard as possible. Yeah, and I guess it you know I guess it'd be strange for the Bears to not try to win this game because if they don't win then you get a confident Vikings team on a roll basically coming back to play you just the next I, I don't see why they would want to do that but uh, and, uh, who knows uh what Nagy is going to do in this situation so we'll slide along here JR you've touched on them a little bit but just recap for us what are your top three keys to victory for the Vikings in this game well, they got to get off to a fast start. I think that's the top thing, whether that's on offense or on defense. Whoever takes the field first has to get to get off to a fast start, and that's holding the Bears to zero points or if it's a three and out. I think some way they have to get off to a fast start, and the offense has to come to play. They got to protect the football. That's my second key. If they're able to protect the football, get the, get the ball in their playmakers' hands, I think they're going to be able to succeed and make plays in this game. And then my third key is – Big time players got to step up. This is a big game, and you got to earn your money. That's what I like to say in this game. Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Xavier Rose, if he does play, Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, Thielen, they got to come to play. And playmakers got to step up. Big time players make big time plays in big time games, and that's exactly what this is. All right. Like it, like it, like it. Saxy Prince, keys to victory. What you looking at, man? Um, I was really similar as far as JR and like I think I think the the team who scores first is likely going to be the team that wins this game. Um, I think they're really gonna it's gonna set the tone for everything. So um, you know the Vikings if they start on defense, obviously just getting any kind of three and out or uh, not really allowing them to pass uh, midfield. I think the Vikings really driving the ball down the field. You know, uh, nice seven ten play drive where they can finds the consistency in the past game as well as, you know, break off a few nice runs, get Dalvin Cook going really, really early, get him some touches just so that he's comfortable, um, you know, as it goes late in the game, because I think that you might need to utilize him to, um, you're either going to be having a lead and wanting to really just drain that clock, or um, you might just need to continue to use him as, as an added weapon and uh, added bonus to your part of your offense. So um, I think first team to score wins this game. So okay. need to be the first. So fast start. Let's do it. All right. Fast start. Well, let's uh let's go ahead and bring this thing home, gentlemen. JR, it's time. I need that score prediction. I need that bold prediction. What you got for us, man? I think it's gonna be a low scoring affair, but I think the Vikings are gonna come out on top like 17 to 13. And I'm going to say Kirk Cousins throws for two touchdowns. Okay, Kirk Cousins. Two TDs. Any interceptions? Are we going with a clean game? Clean game. I think he comes to play. I like it. I like it. License to lead, representing. Saxy Prince, what you got for me, man? Um, I think every offensive weapon uh, gets a touchdown. I think. uh, I'm sorry. You said every offensive weapon? I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, uh, Dalvin Cook, and Kyle Ruff, they all score a touchdown in this game. Oh, wow. Uh, well. they're, they're, all, they're all getting in the end zone this game. The, the Vikings offense is coming to play. They know they got to win and get in. So 
And we seem to be in Kool Aid. We seem to be in a lot of winning in situations the last five years, six years, or whatever. Week seventeen, we gotta stop doing that. Okay, so what, what's what's the score that you're going with uh, right. to, to match up? Let me like, counting on my fingers over here. What you got? <laughs> I got I got thirty four Vikings. Thirty four twenty four Vikings. Oh my! Yeah, they coming. They coming to play, y'all. Shoot out. Okay. Kirk versus Mitchell. Sounds like something that should be happening at the country club. Okay. All right. Well, let me see. I'll get my uh my score prediction out of the way. I will go 24-18. Vikings. And uh boy. Can I go a bold prediction? Uh this is bold enough. Dalvin Latavius will have more yards from scrimmage than Jordan Howard and uh Tariq Cohen. Sure. No, that ain't bold. That ain't that's bold. not bold. That's not bold. Well, we'll let it. We'll let you have. It. Okay. Not bold, but we'll okay. Well, fine. We'll let they it. They might we'll not let... play after halftime. So yeah, that ain't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm rolling with what Saxy Prince said is that they're playing to win the game, and so you know, because why wouldn't they? It's not like they've been there, done this before. They need to, uh, you know, they need to do this thing the proper way. But anywho, uh, Jr. I know it's you know it's the holiday week, so you know if you haven't put anything out or don't have anything on the go, I understand. But you know it's you, so you know the grind never stops. Anything we should be on the lookout for? Anything that's dropped recently, or is about to drop, or anything the listeners should be aware of? No articles, but the new Cover One podcast is up. Uh, we discussed Justin Herbert and his decision to go back to school, the Oregon quarterback, and how that leaves the uh, 2019 quarterback class now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, and if you're not already, please make sure you're following our friends over at cover one and uh, giving all the clicks to our man, JR, because he's putting out some great content for you. So make sure you're checking it out and make sure that you are, are supporting our friends at cover one because they support JR. Saxy Prince. Anything we should be on the lookout for? I know you got a lot of stuff rattling around in there. Have you put pen to page? Yeah. Let's just hope the Vikings don't screw it up. Uh, <laughs> All right, then. Well, we will uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, that is it. That is all. As always, listeners, thanks for uh, for riding with us here. Miles, we miss you. We will uh, talk to you again soon. And that's it. That's all. Uh, we will talk to all of y'all soon. Have a good one. <laughs>